Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Mocked. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. (laughs) Thank you. Mocked by many, but loved by many more. They are kind of a staple around the holidays, and it's kind of a gift that keeps on giving in the same exact way. It's a very relatable, heartwarming, kind of like soup for the soul kind of endeavor. And people have been known to, for 25 days in a row, often maybe wrapped in a blanket, drinking hot cocoa to indulge on the... They all have kind of some similar themes. It's the single mom who's having a hard time, the disgruntled businesswoman from the big city, or maybe the fiance whose relationship doesn't, isn't quite what it should be. And each one of them meet a guy in a plaid shirt and instantly fall in love. You know what I'm talking about? Hallmark movies, absolutely. So that's just kind of part of the season, right? Hallmark movies are part of what's going on around us today. And Hallmark movies have got some pretty interesting uh, similarities. So first of all, it's hard to see this, but they all have the same look. Take a look at this picture. These are kind of like uh, shots of the different images. Oh, there, you can see them up there even better. There they are. So kind of like a lot of red and green, uh, kind of a typical middle-aged couple, kind of a very similar look to every Hallmark movie. Every Hallmark movie also has the same plot. In fact, I can show you in 30 seconds a plot of a typical Hallmark movie. Check this out. She's a top executive from the big city who recently broke up with her boyfriend when she finds herself stuck on the side of the road. He's a small town widower mechanic with a broken heart. Looks like you need some help, ma'am. They're both white. He doesn't like cats. She doesn't like dogs. But 45 minutes later, they're in love. Because Christmas. Yep. They are all the same, aren't they? Same look, same plot, and they all end the same way, right? They all end and happily ever after. They're hopeful, they're encouraging, they're uplifting. Every Hallmark movie, the story ends the same way. Well, this morning what I want you to know is that the story of every Christ follower, it ends the same way as well. And the end of the story for a Christ follower is truly realizing what it means to be home. What it means to be home. And not just for Christmas, what it means to be home. And in fact, what if, what if this idea of going home for Christmas, as full as it is with meaning and with purpose, family and friends, kind of life maybe just gets put on hold for just a little bit. The phones are quiet. The deadlines are on pause. But what if the place you're going for Christmas isn't like your true home? Now, I don't mean that you're going somewhere else for your Christmas dinner, but, but what if your true home doesn't have a local address? What if the true meaning of Christmas is an invitation for you to understand and to finally get a chance to go home? And we look at the gospel accounts of the story of Jesus' birth, and, and in Luke we read about angels, and we read about the heavenly hosts and shepherds and wise men. But in Matthew's gospel account, we, we read a different account of that, and he looks at the lineage of Jesus through his mother Mary, married to Joseph. And in that account is this remembrance of a prophecy back from the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus came. The virgin will conceive a child, She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Now, as Father, we know that God the Father is the God who's for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He cares, he provides, he guides, he protects, he nurtures. God as Father is, is God for us. The Holy Spirit as God is God who comes to live within us. We know that we've not been left to live on our own to try to figure out our faith or this Christian experience, but rather God literally takes up his residence within us through his Spirit. And then is God the Son, is Emmanuel, God who comes to be with us. This incredible thing that took place in Christmas 2,000 years ago, where God broke through time and space and sent his Son to come in the flesh and live among us, that he would know us, and more importantly, that we would know that he knows us. Jesus literally has been there and done that. Everything we would experience, and not only did he experience it, he can do something about it, because he's fully the Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us, the savior of the world, comes to earth. But the story doesn't end at the manger. The story doesn't even end at the cross. The story ends when we go home. And so what I want you to think about this morning, if there's one phrase that you would capture as a result of this morning, it's simply this, that Jesus left his home to bring us home. Jesus left his home to bring us home. Jesus came to the earth, but he wasn't here very long. He came here to make a way for us to be with him forever. Jesus left his home so he would be able to bring us home. In John's gospel, Jesus said this in chapter 14, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am so that you will be home. And we've looked at what home for Christmas means and, and we looked a couple of weeks ago at kind of the craziness into which the very birth of Jesus took place. How things were odd, but they were always ordered by God. And last week we saw how heaven and earth come together in Jesus and that there's an opportunity for us as people of faith to truly see heaven come to earth. But the story ends, not at the manger, not at the cross, the story ends that Jesus came to this home, he left his that he would be able to bring us home then one day. So, so the question is, you know, what do I do in the meantime though? So what does it mean about the home I live in today? What about the place I call home? How do I know if I have a home forever in heaven? And what about loved ones who aren't with us anymore? And we say they've gone home, but what does that mean? And, and what do we kind of do about that in the meantime? So I want to share with you some words I hope are encouraging to you, but also challenging you to realize there's more taking place here when we think about what home is really like. So the first thing that we've got to realize and, and, and understand this and then see what the implications are is that we live in temporary housing. I mean, right now, we are in a temporary place. We live in temporary housing. Now, we don't call it temporary homing, even if you're in the middle of a transition from a physical location, because home is where we settle in, where we be able to kind of really get in place. But, but in a way, every place that we live today is really only temporary. The average American moves 11 times. It seems like a lot, but some of you have experienced that number of moves. And there's no place better to talk to people who know how to move than people who live in Florida. So I grew up in Chicago, and in Chicago, when you would meet someone for the first time, you would start with a statement and then ask a question. The statement was, hi. The question was, how are you? And then you started your conversation. Well, in Florida, we start with a statement, but then we have two questions. 
So a typical Florida greeting for the first time is, hi, there's a statement, how are you? And what's the next question we ask? Where are you from, right? Because everybody is from somewhere else. We have all understood what it meant to sometimes be temporarily in a location on our way to somewhere else. Maybe you remember going back to college days or, or maybe it was military. Maybe it was a first apartment that you were in or a house that you were renting. You realize that this was just a temporary place to be. The very first house that Kim and I had together uh, was when I moved to a new community to be the principal of the high school. Now, this was in the thriving metropolis of Gridley, Illinois, population like 68 maybe, I think. I don't know. It's not a big place at all. And the housing market wasn't very wide, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity. So the house we rented literally was right across the street from the high school that I was going to be the principal at. Probably not the most strategic place in the world. However, that's what was available. So we moved into this, this place and we realized, hey, you know, this is just a place we're renting. We moved in and that night we were so excited to get everything unpacked and we literally went to the backyard and burned all the boxes because we just wanted to get kind of settled in as much as we could. Well, that evening as we're getting ready for bed, the landlord calls and says, hey, I want you to know we just got an offer on the house. So we knew the house had been on the market for like two years and nobody had shown any interest in it. So our thought was, I don't think this is legit. I think they want us to buy the house and they're putting a little bit of pressure on us. So we're like, oh, well, we're not interested. Well, 30 days later, we had to move out because someone did buy the house. So what I came to realize is that the very temporary home we were living in was even more temporary than I realized. This sense of temporary, what does it mean for us to realize that we're only kind of passing through and not just the physical place you're living, but actually our very life's existence? I want us to take a look in the book of Hebrews today in the 11th chapter. And that's often been called the hall of faith, where we look at the great people from the past who have lived incredible lives of faith. And one of them that we get introduced to is Abraham. And the scripture says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Let me, let me pause a moment there and try to get your mind around that for a second. He went without knowing where he was going. Here, here's my picture of that. God says, hey, I want you to move. And you go, yes, God. So you rent the U-Haul and you load it up and you say, where are we going? And God says, uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> really? That's pretty overwhelming. There's a huge faith component to this, which is why we see this in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Abraham was willing to leave this place to go to a place where he didn't even know where he was going. And even when he reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. Even when he got to the place where he was going, he realized, this isn't my final destination. This is temporary housing. There's a, there's a place still that God has me to go. So what does it look like for you and me to really understand this notion of being in temporary housing? That, that our existence, our time here really is temporary. That there's a place called home. Jesus left his home to bring us home. One of the important notes, I believe, of that passage with Abraham is that where God had called him to a place, even though it was temporary, God had called him there on purpose and that there was purpose. In the meantime, even in the middle of a temporary setting, there was still purpose there. And I want you to think about where you're at right now, where, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, the people you are interacting with. 
You're where you are on purpose right now. And it's only temporary, but you are exactly where God wants you to be. There is purpose in the present situation that you're in. See, sometimes if we kind of take this temporary idea and we think about, well, I'm not going to be here long or, or it doesn't really matter because earth isn't my home anyway, then we, we don't engage and invest with what we have right here. God has you right where he wants you to be. He has moved you on purpose, even if the place you're at is temporary in nature. Now, I am not a camper, like, at all. I think I've seen a tent. Yes, I have seen a tent. Okay. So that's just not me. I mean, I grew up in the city, and I'm a city guy through and through. But, but the, the Bible says that Abraham lived in tents as an indicator that it was a temporary place that he was going to be. Well, Paul uses that tent metaphor to talk about our very lives. And here's what we read. For we know that when this earthly tent that we are living in is taken down, that is when we die and we leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. The, the contrast between an earthly tent that we currently have and a heavenly body that we're having one day. You see, we are only passing through. This is a temporary location. So what, is that, what does it do? Well, what, what does it mean? I mean, it seems like we should be slow to fully settle in and unpack that, that we realize that we're just kind of moving through. But I believe it gives me a different perspective when I understand the, the temporary nature of my time here, even on earth. In Psalm 90, verse 12, the scripture says this, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Another translation says, teach me to number my days that I would gain a heart of wisdom. And what I find is that when I number my days, I, I'm more thoughtful about that, I'm more intentional with it. When I realize my days are numbered, I number my days well. And part of that is this perspective shift of what does it mean for us to realize we are in temporary housing. So today marks 1,290 days until my pre-retirement. I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but 1,290 days from now, what I'm looking for is a little bit of a change in life. And here's what I mean by that. When we are younger, and those of you young families, when we're younger, we don't have time or money, right? When you're younger, you don't have time or money. As you get older, you begin to get a little more money as you make good decisions with your money, but you don't have time yet. You're so busy. So the final transition is when you have both time and money. And that's what I'm looking forward to in 1,290 days. I'm not leaving here. We're not moving away. I'm not stop working. I just want things to be a little bit different. But here's what I know. The days are short. The time is set. Teach me to number my days that I would have a heart of wisdom. When I realize my days are numbered, I number my days better. The other thing I think understanding that we're temporarily here is that we have a different perspective really on everything that happens with life. We come to realize that the great things of life don't last forever, neither do the difficulties. The work I do with Fire Rescue as their chaplain puts me around heartache and difficulty and tragedy all the time. And what I know is that those situations are overwhelming and you have experienced those. And yet even those don't last forever. Paul, in writing about the kind of transitional, temporary nature of life, had this to say. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. And I want to pause just a moment because 
Paul is not like making light of your struggle. Paul is not saying, hey, it's just not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Life's going to continue. Paul, as we've looked at, we understand he got what it meant to have a difficult life. Paul went through some significant difficulties and challenges. And so he's someone who's got the perspective of life that I think we can gain from. And so that's why what he has to say is valuable. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Jesus left his home not to stay here, but to bring us home. We, we live in temporary housing. And as we learn how to more loosely hold the things of the world, it makes a difference for us. It gives us a different perspective on what life looks like today. We, we live in temporary housing. The second thing, though, is this notion that deep inside of each one of us is that we long for forever. We long for a forever home, a place to be, a place to finally settle. Now, in, in more popular days, forever home has become a phrase thanks to HGTV and the Property Brothers and, and people who turn these kind of rundown places into these beautiful, gorgeous homes. The idea is that it's not a starter house. It's a, it's a place that you're going to land and sink into and settle into and, and that people long to be in that kind of a forever home. We want to we live here forever and raise our family and enjoy growing old together. We have a forever home. It's a place called heaven my question is, do you long for that? And some of you, if you were honest, would have to say, I mean, not really. <laughs> I kind of like where I'm at right now. And part of it has to do with what you have in your mind of what heaven actually is. So if for you, heaven is this kind of like, like the spiritual misty experience where you are given like a harp and like wings and, and like you're going to float around singing hallelujah for the rest of your life. If that's your picture of heaven, then I would say that sounds like living forever doesn't really sound like living for all. And we have this, this wrong perspective and perspe perception of what it is that home is really like. I was at a funeral service that Pastor Ron officiated recently and he made this statement that really resonated with me. There are times that we think that we are in the land of the living, moving toward the land of the dying. That our whole journey of life will simply move toward death and it's done. The reality is that we currently are in the land of the dying. That's the destiny of each one of us. And yet, the pathway of death is to life like we've never known it before. Your perspective, your perception on heaven has everything to do about that. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, indeed, our spirits are being renewed every day. Randy Elkhorn is an author and pastor, and he wrote a book simply called Heaven. Listen to what he has to say. Picture heaven the way the scripture describes it. Bright, vibrant, a very physical new earth, free from sin and suffering and death, and brimming with the very presence of Christ. Wonderful beauty and the richness of human culture as God intended it. Real people with real bodies, enjoying close relationships with God and with each other. Eating and drinking, working and playing, traveling, worshiping, and discovering a new earth. Earth as God created it, earth as God 
intended. See, sometimes we have a hard time thinking about that, but we, we have a glimpse of that back in the very beginning of the scriptures when God created the heavens and the earth. When God established mankind in this beautiful garden, a place called Eden, it was very real, very alive, very vibrant, very physical. That is this, this picture of home. That is this picture of heaven. And as our minds begin to get around that, I believe we truly can begin to long for it. But for most of us, I think we would say, I get heaven, and that'll be great like one day, but I kind of rather enjoy <laughs> what I'm doing right here and who I'm with and what I get to do and the work and the fun and et cetera, et cetera. Imagine, imagine talking to a baby in the womb, trying to convince them that life after birth was better than what they're experiencing right now. And right now in the womb, they had everything they needed. They were cared for and comforted. They were warm. They were cozy. That's all life that they'd ever experienced. And it was wonderful. They really enjoyed that. But we wanted to tell them there really was a better place. It'd be hard to communicate, wouldn't it? It'd be hard for them to understand. There was a movie series back in the late 80s, early 90s called Look Who's Talking. In fact, the lead actress in that, Kirstie Alley, just recently died. But in the middle of that movie, we get a glimpse just a little bit into what it might be like for a baby to transition from the womb into being born. Take a look at this clip. Did my husband get here yet? We called him. He's coming. Okay. Wow. I'm ready to go. Booby. Honey? Oh, James, the baby's in trouble. No, she's okay. She's coming right out. <laughs> well, at least I've achieved most of my goals. Sponge, get that. Right. Honey, everything's good. You're right there. Yeah. Scissors? Oh, wow. It's okay. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Just a bit longer. Oh, bladder retract. Educational. Hold this bladder. It's kind of... Right there. <laughs> Let's get this bladder. Okay. I guess this is the end. Here she comes. No, oh, my neck! My neck! Hey, you with the oh. scissors! Cut me some slack here! There you go. Oh, jeez, for crying out loud! Okay. She's fine. Yeah, but <laughs> You'll be all right. There you go. Oh, oh, poor sweet baby. Yeah. I'm going to take extra special care of you. Hey, you look a lot better from the outside. You look a lot better from the outside. It, it is better on the outside. And yet for a baby to truly live, it has to move from the womb and be born. And for us to truly live, we, we actually have to die. There's this home available for us that, that God has created. It's our forever home. This is a temporary existence that we have right now. As we go back to Hebrews 11 and we pick up the story of Abraham and all the others, the scripture says this about their journey. All these people still died believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for a country they came from, they could have gone back, 
but they were looking forward to a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. The, the, the transition of a baby from the womb to life is difficult. It's hard. The same way with the transition that we go through from this world to for forever. And sometimes that transition is hard because of illness and, and the pain and the suffering that we go through before we end our life here. Sometimes the transition is hard for those of us who are left behind when loved ones go on. That heaviness is maybe never more profound than right now during the holidays. And for some of you, this may be the first year that there will be an empty seat at the holiday table. For others, for me, it'll be the 30th year that there's been an empty seat at the table. And in the middle of all of that, we have this sense that we believe that those who have died in Christ have gone to a better place. We don't, we don't say that as a cliche. We truly believe that. And yet, our hearts are broken. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, I think a passage that maybe has been misunderstood. The scripture says, now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. And the misunderstanding of that verse is that as believers who believe people who have gone before us are in heaven, the misunderstanding of the verse is that we shouldn't grieve. And that's not what the scripture says. I think grief is a very normal part of this earthly life and there's a painful transition from this world to forever. And grief is a part of that. And, and, and if you have felt as a follower of Jesus, knowing that loved ones have gone on, if you have felt that you're just supposed to have a kind of a stiff upper lip and grandma's in heaven, so praise the Lord, can I give you permission to grieve? To be brokenhearted. To come to the table this week and to be sad in the middle of the celebration, in the middle of a faith that says, I know they're in a better place. I know it. It's the, the foundation of my faith says, yes, your faith has not been compromised by the tears that you shed. Your faith is not somehow less because your heart is broken. We indeed do grieve. However, we don't grieve as people who don't have hope. Grieving is real, but so is hope. Because we believe that we have a forever home. Jesus came to our home to bring us home. And this is a temporary place that one day none of us will be in. And there's a forever home available for us where we can find peace and joy forever. So could I very simply say, finally then, that Christmas, it's our invitation home. Very simply, Christmas is our invitation home. And just like every Hallmark movie ends the same way, so does the story of every follower of Jesus. And the end of the story has everything to do about going home. The scripture says that Jesus left his throne, his rightful home, and came to be among us, that he would show us the way to be home forever. Christmas is about remembering Emmanuel, God with us, that the Savior of the world came and lived and walked and was born among us, but not to stay. Jesus left his home to bring us home, that we would be with him for forever. 
And the transition from this place to the next can be difficult, can be painful, can be unknown. And yet, we as people of hope believe indeed that that is God's plan for our lives. And so Christmas then becomes an invitation for you to come home. And not just for you, but for the people that you know and that you love and that you're around and that you work with and that you live by. Christmas is an invitation home. And so we as a church are excited to be coming back together again later this week for Christmas services. To have a chance to celebrate and to have some fun and to be together as families to be here. And we want you to experience this sense of hope here and not only have Christmas with us, but to know that you can have Christmas for forever. We want that for you. But we also want it for the people that are in your lives. And what I know is that there are people you are connected to that I don't even know. I'll never be connected to and I'll never have a chance to engage with. And so that's why for the last couple of weeks you've seen on your seats these invite cards. A chance for you in a very simple way to engage the people in your life and say, hey, my family and I, we're going to church for Christmas and we would love for your family to come and join us. Christmas is a time that people are drawn home. And part of being home involves the story of Jesus. People's hearts are open to that at this time of the year like never before. And this small card could make the difference between someone being willing to come to church and hear about Christ or just kind of staying home and kind of open in their Christmas presence by themselves. We encourage you to take these and to hand them out and to connect with people and invite them to be a part of understanding what Christmas really is all about. You know, the Christmas story is kind of summed up in this one verse in Luke where it talks about Jesus coming. The angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus came to be our Savior, to save us from being lost, from being separated from God, to save us from our sin. And he did that by coming to live among us, to show us the way to live, and then ultimately to offer his life as a sacrifice that the debt and the penalty that we owed, he would be willing to pay. But he didn't stay here because he went to prepare a place for us. When that place is ready, he said, he'll come and bring us home. The final question for our time is, do you know that you're going home? Do you know that there's a place prepared for you? Do you know that you can spend forever and are you certain that you have the opportunity to do that? Not because you're a good person, not because you give a lot of money, not because you're better than the person next to you, because you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on your behalf, that he willingly went to the cross and that through rising again, he conquered death once and for all so that you indeed could live forever in a place called heaven. Let's pray together. If you've never come to the point of trusting Jesus as your savior, if the announcement of good news of great joy hasn't meant anything to you personally, today's the day for that to break through. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and savior, I wanna encourage you to do that here in this place. And the words I pray out loud might resonate with your heart and you can simply pray quietly. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the coming of your son, Jesus the one who came to die so that I would live. I believe his death on the cross means forgiveness of sin. I believe his resurrection from the dead means new life. And what my 
commitment is now is to become the person you've made me to be, to, to follow you every day. Jesus, thank you for loving me and saving me and dying for me. And now I want to live my life following after you on my way to a forever home. Thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.